Well, I'll say bless the Lord if you'll say, oh, my soul, bless the Lord. Bless his holy name. Ha ha. All right. Let's get it all out of the way right now. It's okay. Happens to everybody. Just drop your phone. Okay. Um, my name's Chris. I'm the pastor here. Uh, I'm so glad you're here. Um, uh, this is an incredible place where we want to preach the word of God clearly and give your soul some space to respond. Um, and tonight, I want to give you just a little bit more time on the back end to respond because I believe the message in the text that Cameron just read is so intoxicating and challenging and wonderful that I want to do my best to preach the word of God and get out of the way of Jesus as he locks eyes with you tonight. The text that Cameron just read, right, is it's awesome. All of a sudden, you've got this miracle-making, net-breaking, life-forsaking, action-packed thriller, and it's happening. Like, this Jesus is moving. Things are happening, and it's what I want. I think it's what you want, because that's probably why you're here tonight. You want Jesus to walk right into your boring life and explode, you want him to come rescue you from your monotonous, endless chores, your to-do list that never gets done, your job that you're working at that's just boring and monotonous, and your coworkers are driving you crazy, and you would love to see Jesus lock eyes with you and say, follow me. There's something out there that you can't yet see. I want that. I think you want that, but here's our problem. What happens when I doubt myself more than I trust Jesus? What happens when the closer I get to Jesus, like Peter in this text, the further I wanna step back and cry, get away from me, I'm a sinner. What happens when I try my best to talk like Peter and give him all my excuses and then say, but at your word I will, only to find out because of my worries, I won't. What happens when I realize the sad reality of my life and my values and my actions is I want success in this world more than I want to be faithful to the kingdom of God and the king of kings. What do, what do we do when we doubt ourselves more than we trust Jesus? I think you're in this text and I think I'm in this text. So let's get straight to it. Peter is on the shore with James and John and his buddies and his blue-collar workers running the family coastal fishing business. Uh, they're probably just working real hard. It says they've been out all night. They're cleaning up their nets. They're trying to put it away. Good, good possibility that they're probably facing some pretty heavy debts and trying to make ends meet. And they're tired and they're frustrated and they're exhausted. And there's this simple statement in the text that I think a lot of us can resonate with. They're fishing but there's no fish. You ever feel like you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing and nothing is getting done? They went out all night, did what they were supposed to do. They've ra been raised around this area. They know how to fish, but they're fishing and there's no fish. Do you know what it's like to be dating and there's no dates? Do you know what it's like to be working and there's no jobs? Do you know what it feels like to be crying and there's no cheers? Do you know what it's like to be praying and there's no response? Do you know what it's like to be worshiping, but there's no sense of worth? The disciples are exhausted, they're tired, they're frustrated, they're fishing and there's no fish. And the morning light is burning their eyes because they haven't been asleep yet. 
And it's really tough to see that the Lord's mercies are new every morning when you haven't yet gone to bed. And all of a sudden, here comes a distraction. Some random rabbi is teaching on the shores. There's a crowd pressing in to hear the word of the Lord. He sees two boats tied up, some disappointed fishermen. I don't know if they've just been having a conversation about, hey, I don't know if we're gonna have to shut the doors to our business next week. They're under crushing Roman taxation. They're probably borrowing money uh, to pay off debts. And if they don't start producing fish, chances are this business is bankrupt and the family business is sunk. I don't know if people are blaming Peter. I don't know if they're blaming each other, but the silence is awkward and it's not friendly. And maybe this random rabbi is a distraction. Hey, would you put me in your boat and push me out? What Jesus is doing is sitting down and coming back from the crowd a little bit so that the water acts like a natural acoustic system to project his voice. What Peter doesn't realize is there's so much more of the story that will happen on this body of water than he can possibly realize. I don't know if he's distracted. I don't know if he's daydreaming the whole time. I don't know if he falls asleep during Jesus's teachings or what. But I do know by the end of it, Jesus dismisses the crowd and he looks at Peter and says, go back out to the deep waters and drop your nets. Now, Peter loosely translated in this text says, cripes, man. Stick to sermons and leave fishing to fishermen. You got here, this is all wrong, Jesus. I, I, I know you got some cool little stories. You got this weird looking halo when the sun hits you just right. But listen, man, I'm telling you, that is the wrong place at the wrong time, okay? There's no fish out there. There is nothing out there for me that I can see. But at your word. I will. I don't know if that's faith or frustration. Maybe it's a little bit of both. But God continues throughout the pages of scripture to call the wrong people to the wrong places at the wrong time for righteous results. Sarah, I'm too old. But at your word, I will. Gideon, I'm too scared. But at your word, I will. Jonah, I'm too shy to share my faith. But at your word, I will. Mary, I'm too young. But at your word, I will. Peter takes it out, and I don't know how long it takes for them, wherever they're headed. I don't know if it's an hour for them to get out there and then to unwind the nets that they're just gonna have to clean again, to set up the trammel net between two boats that kind of acts as a trap for fish to come in. I don't know how long they're sitting there and people are looking at Peter, even his leadership skills are present here because he's convinced his entire crew to do something idiotic and insane. But at some point, the side of the boat begins to dip and they begin to shake and something is stirring underneath the water that they can't see. And then comes the mother load. Muscles straining, voices shouting, nets breaking, the biggest catch they've ever seen. They start to haul it in and they start to haul it up. And maybe in this moment, just maybe the amount of fish that are in there are gonna pay off all of his debts so that he can be fully free to follow Jesus. But Peter has a different kind of debt he needs to pay in this moment. Because here's what doesn't happen next. 
Peter backwards dives like a swan into the catch of fish and does snow angels going, I'm in the money, I'm in the money, right? It's not a quick montage with a bumping song and all of a sudden you see Peter cruising around town with some shades, a donkey with tinted windows rolling on 35s. That's not, that's not what happens next. This is the catch of a lifetime. And what is his response to Jesus? Get away from me. Please leave. I'm a sinner. And I can't handle the holiness that's in front of me right now. Please leave. Depart from me. Have you ever been there? All of a sudden, God just sits down in front of you. His, his glory and his grandeur, his mystery and his majesty, and his powerful peace and his abundant provision. Instead of you welling up with gratitude and obedience, there's a volcano inside of you that displaces all the sin and shame that you've been carrying around, and you just feel unworthy, unlovable, and unable to follow this man named Jesus. Get away from me. I'm just a sinner. Because if you knew who I really was, you wouldn't love me. And when you find out, you're going to leave me. But Peter's body betrays him. It says in the text that when he says, get away from me, I'm just a sinner, he falls at the feet of Jesus. Based off the text, Jesus is sitting down in the boat, which means Peter collapses to his feet and his head is probably in his lap. And I like to think that he's taking his arms and hooking them around the back of Jesus' knees. And even though he's saying, get away from me, what he's really saying is, please don't leave me. Please don't leave me. And then comes the voice of his Savior. Oh, son, don't be afraid. Follow me. You've been fishing for fish, but now you'll fish for people. You'll catch them and you'll release them into life abundantly and into my kingdom. I love what James Edward says in this text. He says, the call of discipleship is not a call away from your passion or your profession. It's just a bolder practice of it. He still fishes. He's just fishing for something else. Here's the only thing I want to tell you tonight. Your fear and your frustration and your faith, it's going to fail at some point in this journey. And when it does, and when you're tempted to fall away, do me a favor. Just fall forward. Fall at the feet of Jesus. Put your head on his lap. Hook your arms around his knees. And say, please don't leave me. The call of discipleship comes to us again tonight. Follow me. What will you say? Amen? I told you I'm going to give you some time to respond. We're going to take a, a little bit of time to do guided prayer because I feel like the Lord is speaking to people here and I want to make sure you have a chance to respond and in your response I would love for you to say but at your word I will 
Cameron's going to come up and lead us in a couple of guided prayer questions, and then we'll continue to worship. Let's listen in together.